two questions for you. How important is humor in love and dating? And how harmful can humor in the wrong way at the wrong time be in love and dating? All right, so this one time I was swimming in the pool with this girl and she had like slid in on the steps. And I was like, damn, you came in like Shamu. And she was like, really? You calling me a whale right now? Damn, that's how you gonna take it. I was just saying he was doing tricks like Shamu. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm gonna take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. I'm gonna hold you down, down to the end. I say, I have more cringy stories like this. And of course, some lovely ones too. But first, let's go to this. The intersection between intimacy and humor is what we're discussing today and how sometimes it's cohesive and sometimes it's combustible. Hannah Burner is also joining us on this topic as our special guest. But who am I? That's the question. I'm Sham Boudram. I'm a public-facing sex educator with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. This is Lovers and Friends, an Ambie Award-nominated topical podcast about sexuality, love, and attachments. I mean, guys, forgive me for continuing to mention this damn nomination, but this week is the award ceremony, and I gotta fit it in until then because after this, I become an Ambie Award losing podcast, and you can see how that's not gonna fit very well for the intro. Now, do you see what I did just there? That's called self-deprecating humor. Also, it's just called fortune telling because I know I'm going to lose. But anyhow, self-deprecation is one of the nine different kinds of humor that eHarmony identified during a research project they initiated to help people get better matches. In essence, eHarmony believed that if they match people with a similar sense of humor, then they'd create more matches made in heaven and less. If we were to be at a music festival, do you like being on a guy's shoulders? Yeah. But um, will I have trouble picking you up? But first, you need to identify what's likely to make you tee-hee-hee-hee. So which of the nine is your predominant style of humor? I'm going to list them. One, there's physical, a.k.a. slapstick humor, self-deprecating jokes made at your own expense. I wish I could be a rapper or some shit. I don't think nobody would buy my album because my voice is too small. Yeah, bitch, I'm a killer. I shoot you in your face. Sharon, Sharon, everybody going down. Surreal, which is comedy based on weird, illogical, or absurd situations, with wordplay, aka smart jokes or punny dad jokes. Did you hear Steve Harvey and his wife got into a fight? <laughs> it was a family feud. Improvisational, meaning off the cuff, in the moment, funny. Topical, which is informed and observational humor based on current events or trends. This guy being the president, it's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. I think eventually everything's gonna be okay, but I have no idea what's gonna happen next. Observational, which is the superpower of being able to spot the random funny in everyday life. Bodily, meaning you use what you got to get a laugh. Low bar, this could be fart sounds. High bar, it's great physical impersonations. You got fart every once in a while. Oh shit, that's me. That's me, woo! I am so unrapeable. And lastly, dark humor, where it's mostly so funny because you know it is so, so wrong. Identifying if you have the same type of humor is important. 
I would say my sense of humor is that jokes meets dark humor. So if somebody doesn't understand my type of humor, well, we're not a compatible match. Because we have a sense of humor, we can role play or do silly stuff and still be in the mood and be adventurous. There has been this one time where it was a Sunday brunch we were having at home. He decided to stick his penis in my mimosa and I licked it off. It was a great time. So I had a partner who has a different cultural background to mine and he never got any of my jokes and I just felt myself becoming unattracted to him. But so is identifying if you have the same ethics around humor. Here are some styles of humor that you might want to be cautious of when using in a romantic relationship. Humor as a defense mechanism. I know it seems easier to say how you feel is a joke, but then the person who crosses the line just thinks that they set you up nicely for a punchline. Humor as an excuse. You know, when you say, oh, I was only joking, but like low key you weren't and high key, it actually doesn't matter if you were or weren't. What matters is you crossed a line. So stop that shit. Making fun of your partner. Now there's a thin line between poking fun at something light and making fun of something that could be deemed as heavy for your person. Passive aggressive comments. Women, and I'ma say it, especially women of color, you know damn well that we are way too good at this. And I've learned many times through my interactions with YouTube commenters that it is so, so much more effective to be straightforward about your boundaries versus passive aggressive when someone crosses one. Sarcasm. This is just a big no-no, especially during fights. Name calling also needs no explanation. Self-deprecation. Now I know this is a style of humor, but especially as a defense mechanism and especially, especially during sex, it's probably a no. And lastly, inappropriate usage of LOL or the motherfucking laughing emoji during text conversations. Oh my God, that gets under my skin. So yeah, clearly there's a lot to discuss when it comes to the flame and fires that humor in relationships can start. In other words, we need to take humor in love seriously. And if we don't, it may end up being no laughing matter. Okay, I'm done. But you know who I want to chime in before Hannah gets the personal element of this conversation started? Dr. Helene Fisher, PhD, is a biological anthropologist, a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. She has written six books on the evolution, biology, and psychology of human sexuality, including monogamy, adultery and divorce, gender differences in the brain, the neurochemistry of romantic love and attachment, human biologically based personality styles, why we fall in love with one person rather than another, hooking up, friends with benefits, living together, and the future of relationships, which Dr. Fisher calls slow love. Dr. Fisher is also Match.com's research and relationship expert. If you have ever heard of the Singles in America report by Match.com, you've heard of Dr. Fisher's work. Hell, if you have ever heard me talk before, you have heard Dr. Fisher's work. Okay, enough introing. Here's what Helen has to say about the relationship between love and humor. Yes, I'm calling you Helen because in my mind we're friends now. People wonder why it is that humor is so important. Uh, you know, I study um, human personality uh, with Match, the dating site, and we do an annual study called Singles in America, and we collect data on 5,000 people every year, and we've done it for 11 years, so we've got data now on 55,000 Americans, and every single year we ask, what are you really looking for in a partner? And every single year, one of the top five things is somebody who makes me laugh. And I think that's for a very important reason. Uh, I study the brain, 
And laughter triggers the dopamine system in the brain and gives you energy and optimism and focus and motivation. Uh, Laughter boosts the immune system. That's really good for health. It reduces inflammation. Uh, It's good for circulation and muscle tone and actually even brain growth. And it even boosts the endorphins, which increase the pain threshold by 10%. So it's really good for you. One of the most interesting things about humor is it advertises your creativity. And creativity has been biologically linked with intelligence, energy, um, and resilience. But, you know, I think it also involves for an important reason. Um, It reduces fear in a group if you get people laughing. Um, It kills boredom, which is absolutely essential to happiness. Uh, Relieves social tension. I mean, if you're in a partnership and there's something really going wrong and somebody cracks a joke (laughs) and you laugh, uh, it really relieves you. And it creates intimacy. So there's a whole pile of really good Darwinian reasons why it is um, that people are looking for a partner uh, who makes them laugh. It's healthy. Humor is oxygen. And those who play together stay together. Shout out to Dr. Helen Fisher, who will be back on this podcast. Dr. Helen Fisher, again, is Match.com's research and relationship expert. You can read about her research through the Singles in America study done through Match.com. Next up, as promised, we're going to Hannah Burner, a stand-up comedian who also hosts a comedy podcast called Giggly Squad and Burning in Hell with over eight million downloads. Hannah is also engaged to another stand-up comedian, which sounds like a match made in heaven, but we all know the truth about things that sound really good on paper. Okay, Hannah, let's talk about it. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming by. It's been a joy so far. We did your podcast. Yes, Burning in Hell. It was hot. So on this podcast, um, we're topical. And so we like to go to the guests and say, what is the thing dealing with intimacy? So that's anything from sex, relationships to attachments that you are really passionate about right now. Mm -hmm. And you said... Comedy, senses of humor, making people laugh at stupid jokes. And sex and love. Yeah. And being in love with a comedian and all those incredible things. And this piqued my interest because I'm a really big fan of, do you know, um, The School of Life? It's a YouTube channel where, in essence, the philosopher Elaine de Botton says that one of the most underutilized tools in marriages and relationships is humor. And what an incredible tool it is to diffuse arguments, to communicate your boundaries, to talk about vulnerable topics. Like you can utilize humor in these really powerful ways. I think humor is a very powerful tool that can like make or break things. And stereotypically with comedians, you shouldn't date them. That's like word on the street. Comics are crazy. Don't date comedians. Yeah, like just don't date, even if you are one or not one, just don't date comedians. I dated one in the past, didn't go well for me. I feel like maybe it's because comedians, sometimes they need laughter from everyone, which is like a darker thing where it's like, it's not just you. And I think humor, laughing at the same time is intimacy, not just laughing at someone. Okay. So just because you find someone's funny on stage doesn't mean you're going to have intimacy with them. It's if you're with someone and you both think the same thing is funny. Sense of humor brought me together with my fiance Mm -hmm. and now we're working on our intimacy and sometimes we can use humor to deflect. But before we get into like how how comedy can be deflecting, can I tell you the story about how comedy made us fall in love? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So our first date, he had DM'd me and he was like, can we... Get, get some coffee. And I had to, I had to have my dad drive me. 
because I can't drive. I'm from New York. That's something else to unpack another time. But my dad, he decides he has like golf or something, right? When he was supposed to drive me to the state. So I'm furious. And you know, you want to be like your perfect self on the first date, but I was not happy. I was annoyed at my dad and Des picks me up. So I sit in the car and normally I pretend I'm perfect Hannah on the first date. You know, you're like, nothing bothers me. I'm so chill. I'm incredible. And I just go, my dad is fucking pissing me off. And I start venting about how I'm annoyed at him because I'm trying this new thing about just like being myself on a first date. My dad dropped me off with a diss date. And you know what? He played his music in the car. I don't listen to Steely Dan. Sucks. So Des turns to me and he goes, at least your parents are alive. And in that moment, that is a make or break situation. That is a risky joke. Yeah. And his parents have passed away. Rest in peace. But to make a dead family joke within the first five minutes of meeting someone, you will see if someone either gets you or doesn't. Yeah. And there was a second of silence and then we both started crying, laughing. And from that moment on, we just knew we were on the same page with shit. That's amazing. So that's my story about how we found love. My parents also said it was kind of the first guy I dated that they were like, not worried about like, what is he going to do with his career? Like how he's going to handle a woman. Like he's, he's a grown guy who's had like long-term relationships. He's never been married before, but he's the first guy that I really loved how his mind worked. And Des is the first guy I've been with. Second guy I've been with third. No, well, second guy I've been with who's in comedy mm. and more like me. And I thought we would butt heads, but actually because he's older and has experienced his own career, there's no jealousy. There's like wiseness to it of, oh, I went through that as well. And we have that same sense of humor. So I don't like, don't get bored with myself. I love that. Of just being the entertainer of the relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm not a comedian, but I love humor. I think humor is You're really an fun. Entertainer. I'm an entertainer. Yes. So a problem that we had in my relationship with humor is I used to use Jared as a joke in public because I liked, I watched my parents do that growing up. My dad is like the master of doing that. My dad makes light of everything and jokes about everything. And mm -hmm. so a part of that, everything includes my mom. And because she's not quite as witty or not witty in that way, it could come across like it's happening at her expense because she wouldn't dish it back. Mm -hmm. So I found that with Jared, we would go out and I would make a joke about our relationship or make a joke about him. And because he didn't dish it back, he it wouldn't come across like fun and light. And yeah. then it would cause a problem in our relationship later. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have boundaries around when to make jokes and what to make jokes about? It's funny because we met during quarantine. So it was just us for a long time. And we did go out once and I was feeling myself. I was a little drunk. And I remember making fun of Des, like he's six, three. And I was kind of playing it off like he's my boy toy. Like we were together, but I was like, you get it, man. They're fucking tall and stupid. And I was just like doing what I would do when I was like single. And I remember we got in the car and he was like, he's like, it wasn't, it didn't make me like feel that good. Like, cause that's now not how I ever joked with him before. Yeah. But I was kind of, sh I was, he calls it, I'm showing off. Yeah. So then he kind of <laughs> joked with me. He's like, can you stop showing off? Like yeah. you don't have to show off. And nothing is more embarrassing than when your parent accuses you of showing off yeah. in front of people. So it brings you back to that childhood he shame. He look at me. He goes, be yourself. Okay. Be yourself. <laughs> so we almost got a humor out of it. You said your dad's funny, right? My dad is the funniest person I know. Is your mom funny? My mom has a great sense of humor, but she's 
more like the laugh track of the family. Like we're just trying to make my mom laugh all the time. And I really think that their relationship is so fucking simple. Their intimacy is just this, like they just work, come home, watch the Knicks game, eat some food and laugh. And their conversation is just really easy always. And I think they're good at fighting. It's important to be good at fighting. She tells him you're wrong. And he goes, I'm sorry. And that's how it goes. <laughs> but it's funny too, because you mentioned like your dad can kind of make your mom the butt the jokes. My dad puts my mom on a pedestal, but his jokes about her are funny in like the way where he jokes that like she works too hard. Like he'll text me and be like, can you tire mom out? Cause, <laughs> like, cause she's always like the energizer bunny or he'll joke that him and the cats have to pretend they're working when she walks in the room. <laughs> so it's like, it's never self-deprecating, but it's joking about like just her being, I mean, she is a rock star of the relationship. She's like, works her fucking butt off and she's really successful and he is too, but he's more knows she's type A and he calms her down with laughter. Mm -hmm. Do you find that humor is important in your relationship though? I don't know if we would say, cause because we have, I think Jared and I have different senses of humor. Mm -hmm. Like there's myself and my sister have the exact same sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I know it because I tell jokes all the time that doesn't land with Jared, but around my sister, it always lands. <laughs> and then we're always laughing and Jared has no response to our humor. So it's interesting because- Well, the sister connection is like almost different. Like you're like speaking in a different language. Yeah. And yeah, we, me and her have the literal exact same sense of humor. And then Jared's slightly different. So when I do make him laugh, it makes me feel really good. Mm -hmm. But I also think that I, I, my frequency of jokes is much higher. So I make mm -hmm. a lot of jokes all the time. And um, I think because my job is pretty heavy, not mm -hmm. heavy, but I don't have a very light job. Mm. So I think people think that when they meet me in person, I'm going to want to talk about like feelings and serious things and how their relationship with their cat is going. And like, yeah. I don't I just want to talk about <laughs> buttholes and like ridiculous things. So You're a lot more like laid back and silly than I expected you to be, yeah. to be honest. And, and I, I really liked it. <laughs> oh, good, because some people disappoint them. No. Some people are like, oh, fuck, I kind of thought that we would have this like deep connection. And I'm just like, I just want to joke about it. But also the one thing I think people should take from this episode is intimacy when you're is when you're laughing at the same time. I do love that. I can think of the, the times in my life that I've like really made Jared laugh and it really feels feels good. So I think that that's kind of it because, and I also don't mind if I make a joke and he doesn't laugh because mm -hmm. again, I like let go of the fact that it's not me, it's you. <laughs> so or, I'm like, it's me. Or I'm you fine. just know that it's not what he's like searching for. Like our egos are attached to making people laugh. So yes. like if we don't make someone laugh, it's a, it's a personal assault where if he doesn't laugh, you're like, that's not why he's with me. And I don't need that from him, mm -hmm. but also further fucking more. Cause this is a sex podcast too. I equate laughter to an orgasm. Interesting. Tell me more. You know, an orgasm is that moment where you have to release and you just let it go. There's something about laughter. It, it's this reaction that is raw. And I think women have been taught to be like, oh, just giggle, like, ha ha ha. But not to just be like, I love people who fucking laugh. Like they just have a laugh that they can't control. So there's almost like this like sexy part of it where with someone who's sitting there on a date with their shit together, talking in their tone of voice that they think is attractive. And then to just, they let loose and they just let something out of their mouth. And you don't even know what sound you're going to make. Like think of the sound of laughter. It's weird. You're just like, kind of like half yelling, like, ha, <laughs> it's a weird thing. And I think there is a part of it that reminds me of an orgasm of someone letting go. And it was like you that helped them do it. Well, speaking of sex and humor, 
do you guys make jokes during sex? Like you mentioned Great on question. your podcast that you queef a lot. You <laughs> so queef I, every time. I joke, I joke that I queef a lot, but then I joke more that I actually um, fart a lot. <laughs> I'm a gassy person that I'll, if I accidentally fart during sex, I'll say it's a queef and like men don't know. And as long as it doesn't smell, you get away with it. But um, yeah, I'll, getting, having oral sex done to you is the perfect position for gas. Okay. I've farted in a man's face while he's going down on me. We laughed so fucking hard. And I know that some people, you like when I perform, I close up. Like nothing's coming out of me. Like my body knows, like this is not time. But for some, when I orgasm, you know, sometimes you're like, you're just, sometimes you're almost like clenching and you're pushing. And next thing you know, you fart. <laughs> and Des will just roll his eyes and laugh. Um, but so many girls like, I would never fart during sex. So I'm trying to normalize that shit. It happens sometimes. And but at least like you're being yourself and you're being raw. Cause if you're scared to fart, then it's almost makes you scared to like free, be free. And then yes. you almost feel like you can't orgasm. Mm -hmm. So thank you for enabling me to take up space with my farts in this moment. One of the books that <laughs> we talked about at nausea, we have a community of friends. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes like themes get into the community and then they circle around for months until you want to vomit just at the, the, the sound of that word, that thing. Mm -hmm. So for a while, vulnerable was like a thing that we all talked about incessantly, which is annoying. But the book, um, The Way of the Superior Man was like a really, like we talked about it, like at nausea for a bit. And one of the themes in The Way of the Superior Man is that men need to use humor to disarm their woman. Mm. That a woman, I mean, this book is difficult to stomach if you do not subscribe to the binary and difficult to stomach if you are exhausted from gender conforming language and gender conforming rules. But mm -hmm. it talks about women being erratic. Mm -hmm. That women are very emotional and don't often really know why they're upset. They just know that they are upset. <laughs> <laughs> and so making fun of them or making them laugh allows them a moment of self-reflection to then pivot because a woman will be upset and she will just be going full speed ahead without really realizing if it's the right choice for her or not. But a moment of laughter gives an opportunity to change directions. I love that you said that and I do agree. And I also like to push the boundaries a little where I get annoyed when people are like, oh, I just love a guy that makes me laugh. And I go, I like a guy who laughs at my jokes. Like I want both. I don't want just a guy that I'm his laugh track for. Mm -hmm. And I do think that humor is stereotypically a masculine quality. And I feel like I balance like a masculine feminine energy and it can be intimidating to some guys that I would like make them laugh or like be trying to make them laugh. And I don't know why I do it, especially they say like historically, that's what men will use to make girls like them. Um, but I think- as a woman, it has helped my- Yeah, because you never hear men say like, I just want a woman to make me laugh. Yeah, and I think that's that's what Des says to me. He's like, when you make me laugh, like that's why I fell in love with you. If your partner has a problem with you, and I'll answer this question too, would you rather that they came out and said it to you in a very matter of fact, serious way? Or would you rather that they packaged it in a joke? I feel like for me, I would prefer the joke coming from the upbringing that I came from. And then also too, it lets me know that your intention is to still make me feel good, even though it's a bad thing you're going to say. But I might feel that way only because I'm with a partner who's not mm. constantly using humor as a defense mechanism. See, I would say I want to say it straightforward because if they say it as a joke, it could be like more hurtful where it's like, oh, you're making fun of me. Mm. If you have a problem with me, like joking about it is kind of like almost like 
dismissing it like it's stupid where I'd rather you like take the time to just like tell me how you feel straight up so we could fix it. Cause if you joke about it, then I'm like, okay, is it not important then? Do we care? Jokes I feel like are not meant for moments where you want to like work on something in a relationship. Jokes are that beautiful, like glue that helps it's it stay together. Which is why it's so fascinating to actually have these dialogues with your partner to unpack the intention behind things because I perceive it differently. I perceive it like if you're making a joke, it lets me know that like, you're still my homie. You're still my person. And I often have this with Jared where we'll be, because arguments are ridiculous. Yeah, Arguments are the stupidest. When you get... I said this. I didn't say that. You said this. No, you but know it's the about. way that you said it. Don't you remember? Okay, so I never, Why I did never. You put the jelly over yeah. here. <laughs> you no, always. Oh, so I always. It's the dumbest <laughs> shit. And then the person is yelling over top of you. It's funny. Yeah. So there's so many times that we're arguing that I'm just killing myself laughing, and he does not enjoy that literally at all. And so I have That's to also different. be mindful because I personally would love for the humor to be the pivot point of like, this is ridiculous. We're on the same page. I'm on your side where he perceives it as you're making fun of me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When Des and I are fighting, if we can get to the humor moment, it's done. Cause I guess with laughter, it's like, I still like you. Yes. And that's what I think is important in relationships to let them know whatever's going on. I still like you as a person. Not that I love you. I like who you are. Um, so it's a it's a tool that you can manipulate in good and bad ways. Well, I say like, I can't remember what I referred to this as, but like it's a knife, right? So a knife is an incredible tool to like chop things up and to make things useful and to carve beautiful objects, but it also stabs people. Humor is a knife. Once I remember he like, I told him, this is so boring relationship stuff, like to do the dishes and he did it. I walked by and I was like, good boy. And he was like, don't say that again. Like he got upset and I was like, I'm joking. And he was like, I just don't like when you act like that. And I was like, I was literally joking, but then noted in my head, I'm like, okay, he doesn't like that kind of joke Mm -hmm. where I was like demeaning him that I was like in charge. I think it'd be so nice if there could be a sidebar moment where you could just ask somebody like, what did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Like I think about that in my relationship when we get into those moments and like there are times I start laughing and then he's getting mad at the laughter. And what I mean in this moment is like, this is so ridiculous. I love you so much. I just want to watch Succession in peace yeah. with you. That's yeah. it. Let's get, get past this. This is dumb. It's done. Yeah. But he's like, you think I'm a joke and you're mocking me. But I wish that we could have those honest moments of like, just to check in. Is that laughter meaning that like you're over this, you're over me? Like, where is this? Like, what is that stemming from for you? Yeah, I think that also him understanding that you're laughing at the ridiculousness that is whatever you're fighting about. And you're laughing that it like got to this point that the person you love the most, you guys are like causing each other stress right now. And I think that making fun of an argument can be incredible if they see the same stupidness in it. You know what? That was an aha moment for me because that's, I think, a good point. It's making fun of the argument, not the person. Yes. So finding yes. a way to, it's externalizing. you're not laughing at him because you're in it with him. Because like what you said, intimacy is being able to laugh at the same thing together. Oh my God, look at us. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Hannah Burner, the host of Giggly Squad and Burning in Hell. You might also recognize her as the co-host on Bravo's chat room. Hannah is an advocate for mental health, animals, and napping. Now, if you want to find out more about Hannah, her podcasts are the best place to go and you can listen to them wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And... 
You can also follow her on Instagram for hilarious memes and clips from her stand-up comedy at Being Burns. Okay, so next up, I talk about humor with the person who thinks I'm super funny and another person who, you know, not so much. I'm gonna let you figure out who's who. Lauren Morrison, Chris Morrison, and Jared Brady are up next right after this. All right. Okay. <laughs> Who's the funny one in the relationship between you and Chris Lauren? Me. Chris? Wow. She didn't even give me a chance. I am. Obviously, it's me. No, I'm. Hel- You're funny. No, I'm funny, but We're like. Both funny who, in different ways. No, but who has who laughing more often? Obviously, I have you laughing more often. That's not accurate. But is that the, is that the bar? Yeah. Really? It's who laughs more. Or do you have a different sense of humor from me? A hilarious one. Hey, really? You think so? Okay, All just right. say you're on Amazing Race and they mm-hmm. said the funny person in the relationship has to do the next challenge. Who would you select to do it? Lauren. I wanted to question how that was different from your first question, but <laughs> <laughs> looks like I got him laughing, Lauren. What, what did you do? <laughs> anyway. That was funny. <laughs> I want to hear from you. Uh, I would choose, I would choose you, but, but, but I'm not a funny person. I'm a funny person in like a, uh, like I could, I could entertain. Mm-hmm. Right. But I would, I, I mean, I know funny people. Like one of my best friends is Atheon Crockett. So and you're enough. married to Shan Booty. Yeah. I mean, I, wow. you don't hold the candle to Atheon Crockett, but, <laughs> but you are the funnier out of us. I don't know if that's saying much, but I would say that you're funnier than me. You don't think I'm a funny person? Yeah. I think you're a funny, you're, you're acquired funny. Yeah. I like that qualification. Yeah, that you're makes acquired, sense. You yeah. know what I mean? If you know Shan, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I think I'm pretty universally funny. But... I mean, the mm. fact that you think that you're universally funny <laughs> is the acquired part about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he wasn't funny. Again, you delivered. I, I've told this to Jared many times okay. before that I made him funny. You see? Acquired. I did. <laughs> you see? Exactly. <laughs> it's true. You came into the relationship not that funny. You made me cool. Wow. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, raise your hand if you listened to the previous segment. What stood out for you, Chris? When she was describing her relationship, there were, you know, the focus on humor and just being aware of when your humor crosses the line. When Lauren and I first got together, there were times when the humor crossed the line. As you know, from your (laughs) father and your family upbringing. (laughs) And, you know, if you, you have to have that sensitivity to know when things are not a joke and and that timing. So that stood out for me. Yeah. She heated that. Yeah. What about you? I know. I do remember. I remember early on in our relationship, I think I was talking to Josette and just realizing just by your lack of laughter to when I would make certain comments that I was using sarcasm a lot mm-hmm. and I had to learn to like pull that back because Chris didn't have that taste. Oh, but we should tell them about, we had this running joke going between us about it's your, the, your mom joke series, which oh, yeah. has gone on for oh. de- decades at this point. <laughs> that which is, is a frat finish, boy joke. Right exactly. <laughs> you finish, you finish every statement made by the other person with, well, your mom yeah. is that. Yeah. yeah. Not every the statement, just when it's hilarious. When it's hilarious. The first time Lauren did that to me, I looked at her like she had four heads. What do you mean my mom is ugly? Or what do you mean my mom smells? Your mom smells? is sloppy. Your, your mom, mom is sloppy. <laughs> it was not a good look. Yeah. What stood out for me with Hannah's thing is like humor and conflict. You don't like humor and conflict. No. no I love no, no, humor no. and conflict. But that's the that's, worst time. It depends. It depends. You're, it not, de- you're not even very much humor in sex. 
Yeah, I'm not really a fan of that either. And I like humor and sex. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of that. I think those areas are sensitive, though, because it's it, it for your type of humor, right? Because your type of humor is a gotcha humor, right? So, like, <laughs> I gotcha humor doesn't really go well with sex, especially for a uh, uh, heterosexual male when around a, an area that is so sacred almost. You know what I mean? Do you guys ever utilize humor and sex? <laughs> Maybe not on purpose. Sometimes... What's Christine? I have no idea what to say to that. Sometimes, sometimes he will like use voices and animal sounds and then it's hilarious, but I'm not totally sure that it was supposed to be. Wow. So (laughs) (laughs) again, we're learning a lot on this show. Sometimes that That was actually my sexy move. So I just found out (laughs) that it was viewed as a humor. (laughs) But I think that it's like, to the point, it's a part of the intimacy, right? Right. Um, No, Hannah had that quotable that like intimacy happens when you laugh at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like all these bodily things are happening. It's a free moment. If something silly happens, <laughs> like can we laugh together versus laughing at the person's expense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a, you have to be really in tune because if that person's actually embarrassed about it, then maybe it's not time to laugh with them because they're not even laughing yet. Have you like have you ever made a joke before or done something that I was you're like, hey, this is not time. Yeah. I don't know if I made a joke that hit like a soft spot, but I've definitely made jokes in front of people that you're like, hey, you're not painting me in the best light. Jokes is fun, but you're, you're killing me out here right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's actually a really good one, though, because that's something that I know I had to watch. And I think it's even learned behavior. We we talked about it on um, in the segment with Hannah, where it's like even with mom and dad, where dad would joke so much, but the butt of his jokes tend to be mom. And because she doesn't dish it back, it doesn't feel like this witty banter between the two of you. Even though Chris and I can have banter, I have to be very sensitive to when his banter slows or stops. And I have to kind of take that cue because sometimes I wouldn't. And then you kind of forget that your job is to make your partner look good. But like as a party favor, we would just be all like, you know, laughing at the other at the expense of the other person or getting everyone to laugh at the expense of the other person. Yeah. It's yeah. such a good party trick, though. It, it is. It it's really it's such a like nobody likes the like, oh, babe. Yeah, <laughs> they hate that couple, but they yeah. love the like. Oh, you snore. Oh, you this. Well, if you wouldn't hog the covers, like that back and forth bantery couple. Yeah, I think people like it, but then there definitely is a point There's when, a point. as a perspective, as a viewer of that, you're like, wow. I'm watching a domestic play out in front of me. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. It. exactly. And we do some of it, but we we definitely don't cross the line. Yeah, I wouldn't say we don't cross the line. I know I do. I cross, really? I cross the line. Yeah. Cause then we'll around? go, yeah. Cause we'll go home and we'll have to talk about it. Oh, so it hasn't happened in a while. It hasn't okay. happened. Cause I'm getting better. I'm exactly. learning. I'm, 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 I'm growing. The as training a is working. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's training. It is. It's, it's training for sure. It's training because I know I'm like my type of humor coming into the, into the relationship was name calling a lot mm. of it. Like me and my friend would be like, what's going on? Penis <laughs> breath. Like things like that. It wasn't okay. I would literally have to train myself out of like calling him terrible names. <laughs> wow. That took a lot of work. <laughs> it did yeah. to take work. Yeah. I think that in our family though, traditionally making fun of somebody 
One is the entertainment for the night. Mm -hmm. So you go to a family gathering, you eat and you make fun of somebody. Like that's pretty much what you're signing up for. Mm -hmm. And then two, it is like a sign of intimacy and closeness. And Mm. so I like that element of it. And I didn't never wanted to lose that in a relationship, but I think the meanness element and yeah, making fun of somebody who is not playing back is important. Let me ask this question. Do you ever have those moments in your relationship? You know, when you're in school, and you're trying so hard not to laugh. Yeah. Do you have those moments in your relationship a lot? Where I'm trying not to laugh. With- I have them <laughs> all the time, especially in conflicts where I am like, please, like dead birds, dead birds, running over squirrels, running over squirrels. Like I literally have to will myself. Do, you see? do you guys have those? I don't. I don't have that no. in arguments, no. No, especially because she respects Chris. That's why. <laughs> That's not why. That's why. She thinks Chris is a man. And when he gets angry at her, she listens. <laughs> we'll just let Jared take this away. <laughs> it was what I was saying with the henna thing is that arguments are just so ridiculous. Yeah. They're the stupidest thing in the world. And when you get to that place in an argument where people are just trying to be right, not logical. It just gets dumb. Yeah. Well, you never. Oh, so I never do that? Okay, well, when was the last time? Name me three times that I. And you're like, what are we talking about? And then sometimes, like, you'll just get so hissy. And it's like, not hissy is the wrong word. Okay, okay. When I get angry, it's not angry. Okay? You'll get so so specific. Like, what exactly did I say? What time? What day did that happen on? I'm just like, this is so dumb. So I think it's funny just because. (laughs) You see what I have to go through, Chris? I do. It's only, and I wish in those moments that you and me could look at each other and just bust out into laughing and being like, this is dumb, let's go get ice cream. I guess we know who was in the wrong. You think I'm in the wrong? That's why I want to laugh my way out of it? Yuck, 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 we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Let's wrap it up, Jared. (laughs) I'm always grateful when my sister, who you can find on maketheshiftcoach.com, my brother-in-law, who you should also just look up on maketheshiftcoach.com. You know, he doesn't do that, but he supports my sister beautifully. And so I know that he'd want me to plug that again. And then lastly, my husband who has his own podcast called Enjoy the Podcast, where you can find wherever you listen to podcasts comes on. It's just, those are my lovers. Those are my friends, like to a T, that's my core group. And yeah, I love when you guys get to hear reflections from them. Lastly, speaking of things that I love, thank you so much for all the support from last week's episode around pregnancy and my fears and insecurities surrounding my intimate life and the coming of a second baby into my life. It was just so cathartic and beautiful to read so many of your messages and your reflections and personal stories. And those of you who don't have kids, who still tuned in, who still lent your voice and lent a helping supporting hand. I'm tripping them over my words because I'm just lost for them. Thank you so much. It was just a really beautiful episode to have put out. um, And I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for every single person who has taken the time fill in the blanks right now, lovers and friends, to rate and review the podcast. It takes three seconds. I literally rate everybody's podcast now whenever I go to their page because I know it makes a difference and I know it takes me two seconds. So if you're listening to this, Spotify listeners, Apple listeners, and you haven't pressed that button, why? 
you know, just like genuinely, like just tell me what I can do differently because we'll work it out together. Um, but I do want to highlight some of the people who have recently rated and reviewed the podcast. Shout out to K22 star. I'm 22 years young. Yes, you are young, hun. Longtime listener of all things, Shan. I thank you for creating a space where I feel like I have a cool, sexy teacher in front of me that will never tell me the thoughts that are in my head are wrong. Ooh, go to a potty for my walks go to potty for my walks. <laughs> this is from curvy lady Gabe. I love how hilarious. Yes. Yes. Hilarious. Jared real informational and practical. This art is good job to all who are involved. I feel like I am friends with you and your hubby just by listening to your podcast. And then Sendrad says, thank you for space and vulnerability and lumpy slump Seven, I love this podcast so much, even if a topic seems to have nothing to do with me personally, I always come away with a new perspective. Plus, it's a blast to listen. Highly recommend. I'm gonna read one more because these are really, really lovely. Um, Lover 2011. I wanna read somebody's name, but thank you for that. Slay J. Kaham. Let's go with this one. Mrs. Sarah Coe. I look forward to this podcast every single week. Shan has a way of capturing the audience and provoking conversations in ways I never would have thought about. I love that because that's the purpose of this podcast. People often ask about the third segment, like, well, what is that? Why don't you just have longer interviews? The purpose of the third segment is to inspire you to take this conversation back to your own group. That's where the work happens. It doesn't happen with me and with my advice and my ahas because I don't know you. And so I can't advise you. Only the people who know your intimate DNAs and workings can really workshop these important topics and issues with you. So I highly encourage you never to end the conversation here. Share it on your social feed. Sounds like I'm promoting myself. I'm not, you know, share it amongst your small group chat, share it with your book club. Um, you don't have to credit me, but definitely bring some of the thought starters that you had and work them into your world. And that's how this podcast will make the biggest impact and the impact I was hoping for the most. Thank you for your time. Let's talk next week. Bye-bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend I said, lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end I said, lovers and friends uh, Lovers and friends yeah, I said, lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end I said Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, 2 West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Isabel Gallant, as well as Paul Anderson, Nick Pinella and Andrew Greenwood for Workhouse Media. Engineering by Peter Karam. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design on this podcast. Jasmine Henley Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher Podcasts.